One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Naked Professors podcast. My name's Ben Bidwell and this month, with it being World Mental Health Month, we're focusing on one-to-one conversations from experts in their field who just bring valuable advice around how we can manage or help our mental health be better, how we can feel better within ourselves. Today I've got Caroline Britton and Caroline is a coach whose message resonates deeply with me. Uh, I think we connected a year or two ago and ever since I followed her journey and been really keen to bring her, her message alive because it as you'll hear in this conversation, it resonates deeply with me. So on this conversation, we're aiming to to take everyone on a journey of how to heal, to understand the basis of how we can do that, how we can sit in space, how we can start becoming a better version of ourselves, how we can start feeling better within ourselves. Caroline's an expert at taking people on this journey, so it's really beautiful for me to sit in this space and just listen and learn from her as to how she helps people heal. I think it's gonna be a really beautiful conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, here's Caroline Britton. So Caroline, we've just had a, a little chat and I've spoken to you before and I know that you're a special human and with a special message and um, we both know or feel that this, this conversation is just going to flow and it's going to go where it's meant to go. But predominantly, I want to have a conversation with, with you today about it's Mental Health Awareness Week this week. And um, I want to talk to you about that and specifically around healing because this week we're going to see a whole lot of conversation, lots of people talking about mental health and da 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 da. But as we know, the healing process is not an easy one. So, and there's so many ways this conversation could go, but I would love just to start with a, with a general question um, for you and just how does this, how does the healing process begin? And I know it's individual to everyone, but where do we start? What do we, what do we, what, what do you, where do you sit with this? What do we do? So I think the first thing that I want to say that feels really important is that we can go on a healing process without feeling like inherently we're broken. And this is what I say to a lot of people. It's like, this is an exploration of self. Yeah. It's an opportunity for us to go into parts of us that need to be explored or want to be explored. And there's great value in that. But I'm seeing this repeating thing with clients and my audience where people think inherently they're broken and they need fixing. And there's almost that narrative of when I'm fixed, then I'll be able to have that relationship. When I'm fixed, I'll be able to leave my corporate job. When I'm fixed, I'll be able to have more money or healthier relationship or healthier boundaries. And that's something that I really want to say right at the beginning here is there is a part of you that knows that you are whole and perfect and divine as you are so it's really important to separate that from 
from the healing journey, which in essence is an exploration of self. Mm, yeah, really beautiful. There's different ways that I could go with that, but um, naturally what, what, what comes to me is this concept of, of a broken or what, 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 is the, what, what is the problem if we do perceive ourselves as broken? Why do we not do that? I think it becomes a never-ending quest of trying to feel good enough, yeah? It becomes an attachment to this story and this way of being that we're kind of indoctrinated with. I mean, you think about everything in society, like you should be slimmer, you should be more uh, beautiful, you should be more masculine, you should be more feminine, you should be this, you should be that. It's like this constant thing that we have of not being enough. I feel like that fixing buys into that paradigm. And that's what I don't like about it. I don't like that that thought of people feeling that inherently there's something wrong with them. And that's why we have to be really, really careful that this is an act of self-love, not correction. Yeah, that there's a difference there. There's a difference that looking at ourselves through the lens of compassion and love than it is that we're something that somehow isn't enough. And, and what often happens is when we're in that, energy of trying to fix or prove we're enough it becomes all about the external validation yes someone else tells me if I'm fixed somebody else tells me I'm enough my paycheck does my audience size does my Instagram following whatever it might be the way that I look you know that's what tells me enough and it's not about that what I'm on a mission to empower people to realize is it's not about looking outside it's about going within we are all women and men are inherently wise and have an access to such incredible potential and connection, but we're just not we're just not taught it. It's not something that we're given the tools to recognize. And when you do, when you can stop looking outside of you and go within, it's it's such a game changer. Yeah. And that's it for me. You know, that that's it. When we I think if we define ourselves as broken and we start looking or we've got something to blame or we've got a, a reason that, that that does nothing more than keep us where we are. You know, if, if, we, if we're willing to sit into the space and acknowledge that the answers do sit within, then it's all within our power. It's all within, like, it's, it's all there for us to, I mean, we don't need help with that, potentially, most probably. Um, everyone has had, everyone who's gone on that journey tends to have had help. Um, but it does lie within us. And I guess the flip side to that, again, is that no one can do this for you. You're, it is all in your control, which is great, but also hard because... In this world, we love it if someone just gives us a pill and we take that and then we're fixed. And actually, it doesn't work that way. This is hard work. It is difficult. It's not easy going within. You have to go to places that actually you've intentionally buried for a long time because you don't want to go there because there is pain associated with it. It is difficult. But this is also where all that the healing exists too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we all do that. Like, I think we have an inability, a lot of us, myself included sometimes, just to be able to sit and be with ourselves. And I've done that before. You know, if something's coming up for me, I'll be like, I'll just see if I can get some inspiration from Instagram. Or I might just see if I can get some inspiration from a book. Or maybe I'll just call my best friend and ask her. Or maybe I'll voice note my coach. Or maybe I'll book in a healing session. Like my... Even for me, one of my first reactions is, well, how can I look outside of me for the answers? But I stop myself and say, but it's within you. Like you need to connect and go within because that's where you're going to find the truest essence of yourself and your answers. And it's, we all default to it, don't we? But sitting, I think making a conscious practice of sitting and being with yourself, and it will be uncomfortable at first, 
but it's so powerful because I mean we've all been there haven't that we when we've been on like a, an amazing beach and we've been chilling out and we've just been in it and we've been present and we're being and then all of a sudden like these waves of inspiration or insight they come through you yeah and this is the practice that we want to encourage is like let's remember the innate wisdom and connection we have within us and try and resist that tendency and that habit to pick something up to tell you yes yeah really beautiful which of course is so foreign for us right in this world you know and I, I, I read something this morning, you know, about busyness, being busy. And it's just, you know, that is, I, I still get it to this day and I, I can't help but need to respond to it when someone says, how are you? And I go, yeah, I'm pretty busy at the moment. And they go, oh, great. And I'm like, no, it's it's like, it's it's. I find it quite overwhelming. I find it, I want to be, I just want to be. And, and, and yet the world tells us to be busy, to constantly, and if we're not feeling great, then go and consume, go and buy something, go and take yourself away from from actually what it is. And all of this is so foreign in that in that respect so i want to ask it so you know if we go if we're sitting in the space and we're saying right okay we're not broken and the answers lie within us and we need some peace and we need to stop and we need to to, to go within what, what what how would you say i'm sorry i'm and i'm and this is i'm really nice it's kind of like going a step by step of this journey which i've never done before it's really it's really i'm really interested to see where it all goes um but um so we, we, we're, we're willing to stop we're going to go okay the answers are within me i'm going to i'm going to go within and I'm going to have some peace and I'm going to create some time. Now I'm sitting here and I'm still and there's nothing going on. I'm just bored. What, what's, what's going on? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love that yes, it's interesting how boredom presents itself because we have an insatiable need to be distracted from it. This is where we have to become the observer. Yeah, this is the beginning part. We start observing the irritability. We st- I remember this is I have to this is coming through so let's share it. I remember when I was I worked for a, a management consultancy, really frenetic, really burnt out, really disconnected from from my soul and from myself. And I remember going to a Yin Yoga class and just finding it excruciating. Well, this isn't getting me thinner or stronger or fitter. And literally just being like, what a waste, what a waste of time. And I mean, so telling in itself, I was so heavily reliant on the masculine energies of doing and pushing and moving things forwards that I was so uncomfortable with that. So let's observe that. Okay, let's observe the fact that there's part of you that's uncomfortable with being. Why? Why are you uncomfortable with being? Where are you refusing to be with certain emotions and why? And ultimately, where has the doing served you? Because it always does. You know, that's why we do it. It served me to be in the doing paradigm because I didn't have to be really real with myself about how unhappy I was in my corporate job. It served me because it was like a band-aid over a great big wound of never feeling enough and constantly overproving and constantly pushing myself and berating myself and all the criticism and the busier I was and the more I was doing the more I was distracting I didn't have to look at it so this is this boredom is let's call it the ego's last line of defense you know where it's like well this is boring so okay why is there why am I inherently uncomfortable with stopping and being with what's trying to come through And if I was to allow myself to be with what's coming through, what am I being asked to feel and look at? What is trying to move through me? And what I found is when I went through this process at the beginning of my healing journey, I was angry. 
Like there was this just like, just a lot of anger with everything or so fed up with everything that was sort of moving through me. It's really uncomfortable because this is the thing about emotions. We It's about being able to let them move through you, but we stop them as soon as we get anywhere near it. So I'm, I'm sure you're going to work up in levels, but that's the next one, you know? So we're first of all, we're saying, well, why am I so uncomfortable? Why am I always, why am I attached to the doing paradigm? Why can't I just be? And where am I allowing myself? When am I not allowing myself to just be? And then we take it up a level and we say, but what's trying to be felt? What's trying to come through? And this is where we come out of our heads and into our body because our body is incredible at showing us exactly what's going on, isn't it? The pulls and the twinges and the feelings and the stomach and the emotions and the lurch, and you can literally feel it in our physical body. So that's another thing to ask yourself. If I'm to come out of my head and to come into my body, what's what am I feeling? What's coming up for me in this moment? And just to start with, don't try and fix, analyze, resolve. I don't want any of that. I just want you to observe because when you observe, it has great power. You don't make it mean anything about you, but it just becomes an awareness and we build from that. Yeah, and, and I think this is where, if we're going to go on this journey, we have to really have a deep honesty with ourselves. you know, at this point, right? Because perhaps what we do feel is exactly what we don't want to admit to, to feeling, you know, especially in this world that says it's all about being happy and being great all the time and putting on that mask of you know, success and, you know, all, all everything that comes with that, because that gives us an element of, of comfort and feeling safe that everyone thinks, at least everyone thinks that everything's great, right? Even if I know it's not, at least I can hide behind that mask. But actually, now can we really enter this phase of being deeply honest with ourselves and recognize actually that if we're not going to connect with this, this feeling, it's always going to be there underneath everything else. It's always we never, and perhaps that's when we actually you know, we, we use the drugs or the alcohol or whatever, because that does actually, in those moments, oh, I've forgotten that I felt that stuff. I've forgotten that I was attached to that feeling of emptiness or just disconnection or just loneliness or whatever. I didn't feel that when I was in that space. But now, if we are being deeply honest, actually, it's okay. There is something here that I don't, perhaps I don't really want to live with for the rest of my life. I don't want to have to keep burying. I don't want to have to keep running from and feel into that honesty because if we don't feel it we can't heal it right exactly you need to feel it and what i think is fascinating for us particularly in western cultures is that somehow it's not appropriate to be in the dark but we're cyclical beings look at the seasons it's it's look at the moon look at everything we're supposed to have periods of dark introspection we have periods when we go in the dark and periods when we go in light both have great value. No, one's not better than the other. And it's interesting, and I know you've got male and female listeners, but I think this is really important, even to draw a parallel with the menstruation cycle for a woman, the cyclical process that we go through. So after we have our period, we go through the first week, which is the kind of pre-ovulation, and you tend to be a creative hub of ideas, full of energy, quite in the kind of let's go, 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 go. And then you come into the ovulation, you're very eloquent and sparkly and attractive and all these things are coming up. You're really in what we call kind of the light spring, summer. Then as you come into pre-menstruation time, you tend to go more into what I call, I call it the Kali Mar phase, but into, you know, 
boundaries, not taking any shit, like really being very clear on, it's my husband's favorite time, not, but you know, very clear on what you will and won't take, really in a much darker place, reflective boundaries. And then when you have your bleed, you literally withdraw into the dark because you're very psychically aware and you're very much within your body and retreating and processing what needs to be shed physically and emotionally and energetically. There is great beauty and there is great beauty in that. And then you begin the cycle again, a bit like the trees, a bit like them in everything together. But somehow we've been told it's not appropriate to be in those periods of introspection and darkness. It's absolutely pivotal and it has as much beauty as the light. And that's the thing. It's we're not told this, but that shedding process and that um that journey that we go on is is magical so let's let's own that and and i know it's not always pleasant when we're in those darker places and we're feeling what needs to be felt exactly as you said so it can be healed and released but it's it has beauty it really does and if we can start having that kind of relationship with those parts of us and loving the shadow self and loving those introspective times we're going to be more prepared to show up when we're experiencing it. Oh, that's really beautiful. And I'd never known that really about the cycles of, of women or the, the, the cycles that women go through, I, I, which is so fascinating, but also quite alarming that I don't, I don't, I didn't know that, you know, it's craziness. It's, yeah. it's, but that should be understood. That should be something that we all, I mean, understanding yourself is so important as we're in the midst of, of talking about right now. And for that to be the case and for me to not have a, a, an understanding, I'm, you know, I find it, uh, huh, I don't know, but um, it's disappointing, I guess. Um, but yeah, so, so um, and I think this is a big part of, of, of the, the process as well, in that for me, it's not so much that the, the, the problem isn't with the, the, the challenging emotion, if you like, as such, it's our perception of the emotion. So like you say, it's like that there's beauty in the darkness and there's, there's beauty in, in, in the struggle, there's beauty in the challenge except that we perceive it to be wrong, to be bad, to be negative. Exactly. We make it mean something about us. I feel angry is different from I am angry. Yeah, we make it mean something. I feel despondent and withdrawn. I am. It's different. It's, a, it's an emotion. It's a feeling. It do, this is where we sort of, I think this is why we fear it so much. We make it mean something about us. And it's not. It's just that it's an, there's a spectrum of emotions, some are lower vibration and some are higher vibration. And we apply them through a lens that make them mean something to us. And actually, it's just it's a feeling. It's just it, it comes and it goes. And, and that's what it is. It's just part of that fluidity of being human. And I think that I see so many clients who come to me and say, I'm um, angry. I am lost. Now you feel lost and you feel angry and let's explore that and let's express it and let's experience it and let's observe it and let's love it and not judge it and then let's release it. And that's such, that just shifts everything for people when they start making it mean something about them. Totally. And I'm huge on that. You know, knowing that our emotions don't define us and being willing to surrender into the not good or bad, but the challenging emotions or the beautiful emotions, like the whatever the, the, the ones that help us grow or the ones that allow us to be in flow, whatever, that there's beauty in all of them. And they don't define us. They are just what we're experiencing in that moment. And um, I, one of the most fascinating things that I was ever taught, actually, is that, that, that an emotion is a chemical reaction of about 90 seconds. 
you know, and, and, and that, that's it. But as human beings, of course, we're very good at keeping emotions installed or keeping them flowing because we think and we think and the th thoughts keep the, the emotion alive. Um, but in reality, if we could allow ourselves, I mean, of course, there's things like grief where we're not going to say we're, we're, we're missing someone for, for or there's sadness for, for 90 seconds and then actually now it's gone. I mean, because, of course, that person stays in, in our thoughts. Of course, we're going to hold on to, to, the, to the relationship that we have in some capacity. But in, in many other ways, in, in let's say smaller emotions or ones that aren't so um, thought-provoking, if you like, we can allow ourselves to, to feel them and express them, then they will pass. They will pass. Like you say. Yeah, and, and expression, isn't it? And there's a brilliant book, and you may have read it called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, and he talks brilliantly about this. But I think it's a really interesting concept for our children. I've got two children, a seven and a nine-year-old. And we were in the midst of lockdown. It's tough, you know, particularly on my nine-year-old. And, and she felt angry. And rather than trying to, like, fix it or say, well, you know, what can we what can we do to distract from that? I said, well, yeah, okay, look, well, what should we do with that anger? Let's move it, let's get a pillow and let's hit the pillow on the bed and say it's not fair and ah, until we're done. And, and it shifts and that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, let's allow it to move through us rather than saying, well, that needs to be fixed or that's not appropriate. It's like, well, I feel angry. So how am I going to allow that to literally move through me? And somebody taught me something brilliant, and I love this concept, I use it all the time, about how often we recycle the same thoughts and the same, and, and really think about that for your listeners. It's like, how often are you recycling the same stories, energy, thoughts, emotions? And when I looked at that, I'd sort of go, get on that treadmill with a different energy. It's like, well, this is, I'm not going to recycle this, I'm going to allow it literally to move through me and go. And you'll fit, you create space other things to come and it's quite incredible so really I really hope people start viewing it differently it's like well this is an opportunity for it to be expressed and move through me and what what does that emotion need let's ask that question what does it need okay anger needs this it needs me to physically move my body and run okay what does feeling lost or rejected feel I feel like I need to hold my body and kiss my shoulder and rock myself that's what I feel I need I feel like people are taking me for granted when I need to sit down and write all the reasons that I'm grateful for myself you know we can do these things but ask yourself what that emotion needs from you in order to be able to be fully validated this is always an analogy that I often think about it's like a friend coming to you and saying that they're struggling and they're starting to share like their vulnerabilities and you just going, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, you know, just going on like this and just shutting it down all of the time. And imagine how you would feel if your friend did that to you. Imagine you'd feel upset, you might feel angry, you might completely withdraw, you'd feel all of despondent, all of these things. But we do that to ourselves. It's no different. When something's trying to move through me and be heard, yet I won't create space and love and compassion for it it's like get down it's not appropriate I don't want to feel this I don't want to hear it I don't want to see it it's the same thing so think about it like that like you're having a relationship with this part of you so make time for it and space and compassion and love and that will really help the healing journey and it's that word compassion that I, I um, really is coming up a lot for me at the moment in the last couple of months particularly in fact the last few months I just feel 
compassion is just the the, the, the starting point of, of healing in so many ways. And that's compassion for ourselves, compassion for others. Like like you said, compassion for the where that the, the, the emotion came from, compassion for the story of the emotion or what, what what's occurring because when we have compassion, when we allow, we allow, we're not, we're doing the opposite of that shut up, shut up, shut up and burying, aren't we? We're, we're saying, okay, let's sit in the space. Let's allow for this. Let's not judge it. For me, like there's such a, uh, the, the, the indirectly correlated compassion and judgment. You know, we're not, we're not making the emotion bad or saying, duh, 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 duh. we're just saying, hey, this is okay. I, I can feel what I'm feeling. Let's allow it. There's, it's come for a reason. I'm angry for a reason. There's a lockdown going on. What I'm feeling is natural whatever the story is around this so let's but it's there so rather than just going no but i'm not going to be angry it's bad to be angry i'm not going to force it or like no i'm not admitting to it or whatever it is it's bad to be angry let's allow ourselves to express it to express it to, to have compassion that it is a challenging time as we just discussed actually briefly before in, in, in this, this this podcast where it has been a challenging time for many people in the last few months even the last year can, we have compassion for that journey, for that journey, for that story, for how we felt, and to be okay with it. Now we're allowing the emotion, and it's okay. And now, in allowing it, we can feel it, we can express it, we can allow it to pass, right? Yeah, because I think we do that thing, don't we? So many of us are like, who am I to complain or feel like this? I'm so lucky. I've got a roof over my head. I've got food on my table. Like I've got people that I can call. We're often negotiating with that part of us. And we can be grateful for all we have and know how well off we are, but we can still make time for that. I think that's really important is I see that so often people just won't let themselves go there because they think that it means that they're ungrateful or that they're overly indulging. It's not. It's just an expression of self. And that's the thing. It's really important because imagine how different the world would be. Imagine how different the world would be if everybody listened to that inner child that wanted to have a tantrum and let themselves feel things and embrace the dark and the light in themselves and others. And the way that we treat ourselves ripples out to the way that we treat the world. You know, we could change the whole face of humanity if every single one of us took personal responsibility for doing that for ourselves and it seems so small you know but it's not it really isn't because if everybody did it just imagine what the world would be like this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive in june olive in june gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create podcasts? If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen, listen, bitch. Oh, listen, make, make, make an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. Bear, uh, I, will, I will fly <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both <laughs> For the more cultured ones among you, join Laura Wright for music in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm so glad no one can see me right now because I'm doing, I was doing some weird dance <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. Prefer a deep chat? Connie's got you covered on How Are You? The Wellbeing Podcast. I just became a lot more productive and happier. Mm. And for me, like, that's just worth it. The Weekly Roast, Music in My Life, and How Are You? Just three more podcasts to feast your ears on. Find them wherever you found this podcast. And so how can we, how do we start to have that conversation? We, we, we said about this inner child, and the inner child is is the, the, the part of us that, that, that fact let me can I, can I ask you to, to describe because you'll do a much better job than me and I was going to say it's the part of us that stores emotion from our childhood that but we but but in a way that is governing us we're not having any relationship with it it's just telling us to, to, to behave in a certain way and so often if we're not in communication with that part of us then we're just ruled by it it's like taking ownership if we can start to communicate and have compassion and have softness and start to build a relationship then we, we start to change things but you you tell me about your experience within the child because I think that's brilliantly well explained I think it's the part of us that um you know in our formative younger years we really start programming our subconscious with the way that we view the world and ourselves yeah and the thing about us is that we have our conscious brain but that's only responsible for I think it's about four or five percent of what we attract and how we show up we've got this kind of motherboard as I call it that we don't even really know what's going on in there that's playing out stories and beliefs and patterns that's responsible for 95%, I think that's about right, the stat, um, of what's going on for us. That's so incredible. So I, I always give this example, you know, something as simple as, say, somebody wants handing you a cheque for a million pounds. Would your conscious brain want it? Yeah, absolutely. 
but there might be something going on in your subconscious which is it's not safe for me to have money people won't love me as so as much I'm not worthy I'm not deserving all anything that you've picked up and then you go and spend it all and this is why we see that people with lots of money lose it very quickly particularly lottery winners and so on because it's the subconscious sort of governing everything and so I think that we need to be really aware that there's a part within us that is being governed by old stories and beliefs um, about not being lovable or worthy or attractive or whatever it might be that's going on for you it's sort of stored in there and that plays out so everything that we're seeing is through a lens everything that we perceive is based on a belief system so if i believe inherently that money is bad or that i'm always broke then that's what i see i don't notice the power coin on the floor i don't notice the inspired idea that comes in i don't notice the opportunities to build wealth all i can see is lack yeah so that's what i get and it's the same with with anything not believing that you're worthy or deserving you seek out things you have a conversation with somebody and you remember something that reaffirms that story yeah so this is what this inner child work does it's an opportunity for us to go to that part of the um, <laughs> that governs those stories and those beliefs and and change it to i'm lovable and i'm worthy and i'm deserving but before we can do that it's an opportunity to bring that like that inner child forwards to you and ask him or her what do you need to feel safe? Tell them they're loved. Tell them they're deserving. Dependent on who I'm with, I often, I do a lot of inner child work if I feel the call to with people. But often um, it's a case of bringing that child forwards and, and loving them and telling them they're enough and telling them safe and seeing them in a visualization and looking, you know, that little boy or that little girl in the eye and saying, you are enough and you are loved and I've got this and you don't need to run the show and you don't need to try and control and protect anything and I've got this and taking that energy with you and, and really starting to recognize, oh, there's that kind of inner child kicking off again or that inner child that's worried and actually I can witness that and notice the way that part of me wants to behave, like sabotage or, or whatever it wants to do. But actually, there's a very aware part of me. And, and, you know, Michael Singer talks about this, that part of us that can observe that obsessive mind chatter and um, that can say, well, actually, this is where the magic comes in. I get to choose. Yeah, I get to choose whether I'm going to operate from that inner child or I'm going to operate from another level. If somebody has an awareness of that part of me, but chooses differently. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and I guess just to be clear for anyone, because I know from my own experience, it took me a long time to understand inner child. I was like, what is this inner child? In fact, I, I did um, something called the Hoffman process, which have, have you, do you know, have you done the Hoffman process? No. No, but I've okay. I, for some reason, I just had a feeling you'd, you'd done it. But, um, but yeah, and, and, and I remember just, you know, keep hearing all these, this inner child and stuff. And, you know, we don't need to kind of get caught up in what, what it's called, or it's, it's just, re, for me, it's rebuilding um, a relationship with a part of us that has been through or has stored memories that are focused around trying to keep us safe. But we are safe. We are safe so often. And of course, there are threats to our lives in some capacities. But so often, these stories that we've, we've told ourselves are way more 
not so, not so dramatic, but are, are more safety conscious than they need to be. So, I mean, going into to, to, for example, my my stories and as a child, where whether I wasn't didn't feel seen and heard as the youngest, and that was for in my, in my, according to my inner child, deeply um, scary and unsafe because I didn't feel accepted. Now, of course, I was I was accepted, but I you know cr- created this story and that story stayed with me for a long time. You know, all the time I again I wasn't. I wasn't feeling, so I was never healing it. I didn't understand. I didn't bring any awareness to this. I had no understanding of it. But all the time, that was running through my mind, and in, in the self-talk in my head all the time was, "Ben, you're not worthy. You're not. You're not of value because of what my inner child experienced, the stories that it had created." And all the time, that rhetoric is going on in our heads, da 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 da, repeating, repeating. I'm becoming that. We're becoming that story. And so now, by changing the conversation, by allowing ourselves to say, "Hey, actually," This is just a story that you, you you created when you were a child without much emotional intelligence. You were just seeing what you were seeing and experiencing as a child that was desperate for to feel safe and loved. That's all. Actually, we can change the story and recognize that for me, I am worthy. I am of value. And I'm not the story that I made up as a five-year-old, six-year-old, whatever it was, child. And now that story and changing it, now I'm changing the way that I talk to myself, I start to create different stories in my head and I start to become something something different and now we're like i feel like we're, this is now this we're getting into some healing right it's time to start to change for us at this point exactly exactly yeah and it's it, this is it's it's beautiful but i guess it always and it, it's so cemented in this healing process is our thoughts you know how we how we speak to ourselves but of course you know we are deeply complex human beings right and, and we can't we're not in charge of what we think and there's a whole system that's completely below our, our conscious understanding that's operating that's leading us to think in the ways that we do um, and then those thoughts are yeah. impacting how we show up and if we think i mean one of the first ever quotes that i was that i heard as a when i was working with a coach she said whether you think you can or you can't you're usually right i think she said you're always right but i changed it to you usually i don't know why so yeah how we're talking to ourselves is is the is the future of what we're going to create. Yeah. If we don't know what's creating the stories as to why we talk us talk to ourselves, then it's quite hard to, to change it. So all of this process, everything you just said, like getting to know ourselves, learning, understanding what our inner child was seeking and understanding why it was seeking that, changing the story, now we're going to start talking to ourselves in different ways. And I don't know, do you, are you, do you do a lot of work on, I mean, I know you will, but around the self-talk and changing this conversation, like you've, how do you change the conversation with the inner child? How do you change that story? What's the work around that? I mean, I do a lot of journaling um, and a lot of exploration that way, but I sort of, I become really aware of what's coming up for me. Like what are the stories that seem to be surfacing? What needs to be looked at? What needs to be seen? And I kind of do a couple of things. The first thing, I say to myself is, well, is that ultimately mine? I love that question. Is that my belief? Is that my story? And then you're like, that's my mother. Or that's like that teacher or that's ancestral or or that's just something that I've picked up from society. Or, you know, this is the fascinating thing. Is it actually your thought is a really good question. And then what I like to do is always ask myself, well, how could I look at this differently? How could I view the situation differently? How could I see myself differently? And this is where the power of choice comes in. This is the amazing thing that we forget. We have the ability to choose. So, and I think this is important. This isn't about the absence of these negative thoughts. It's about recognizing that as a human being, we go through this process. It quite literally moves through our energy bodies that we we have the the negative talk 
And then we kind of come into the positive expansive. But what happens is I notice people kind of drop between the two. So they'll have a negative thought and they'll pull themselves into something positive and I'm going to take action on that. And they'll come down to the negative again. What you want to be thinking about is you have the negative layer and the positive, and then you're going to come above that and say, okay, there's two stories going on here. There's two beliefs. There's a negative one that doesn't serve me. And there's a positive one. What am I going to actively choose? That's the bit. What am I going to actively choose? Because I recognize there's these two paradigms that I can choose to play in at all times because they're always going to be available. Yeah, they always are. You can, there's so many different ways of living and being that are available to you, but what are you going to choose? And then you choose something that ultimately serves you and takes you in the direction that you want to go in. And if you commit to that every day, it's like turning a ship really, really slowly. Yeah. Just gradually, 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 you look at yourself. And I, I mean, look, I look at myself now. And from four or five years ago in the corporate world, my belief systems and my stories and my views of myself are entirely different. I'm not sure I sat there five years ago and said, this needs to be fixed and then it's done with. I think what I did is, is I went through this process and continue to every day and gradually just kept choosing things that served me. And then all of a sudden your subconscious just gets it. I mean, it doesn't have a filter. It will believe what you tell it. It will believe what you repeat. It, the power of your words are everything. It's listening. And you can hear, I mean, you probably see this well. I think it's fascinating with the work we do. I mean, I overhear people sometimes and think, no, like you're speaking into existence the very thing that you don't want. You're reaffirming those things about yourself. And, and we've got all these tools at our disposal that we don't use because we don't realize the power. And we have great power with our attention, with our choice, with our words, with our focus, all of it. So let's consciously use that. So beautiful, Caroline. And if you don't mind, I'll just share an example that I, I go through all the time. Whenever I'm, in fact, whenever I'm doing a talk, and I share this during my talks, and I say, whenever I'm on my way to a talk, I have two voices. I have one that will definitely say, Ben, you're not good enough. Like you, you're going to get found out. Don't like you're blagging this. Like don't do these talks anymore. Like this is this could go really wrong. You know, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then there's another voice that's deeper within me. It's a deeper one that's going, it just kind of knows. I would say it's a knowing. It's a, this, this connection to just saying, but this is your purpose. This is your opportunity to go and express yourself. What an amazing thing. What a wonderful like opportunity you've got right, right now to go and stand in front of people are going to hear you, to share this message that you've learned and you're, you're, you're embodying. What an opportunity. What a purposeful thing. And I have a choice every time. I really have a choice. Which one am I hearing? And if I hear the one that says, you're not good enough, Ben, you're, you're blagging this, I will turn up petrified oh my goodness i'm about to get found out this is awful and i'll be a wreck you know i will that, that, that would i would embody that that people can you could feel that i've been thinking that if i turn up seeing the opportunity yeah. the purpose knowing that this is what just a beautiful thing for me to have this chance to do and i stand around and yeah. look at the audience and be present and be there and it's like wow i'm here thank you for having me and i'm going to share something really meaningful with you today because it matters to me and that's my flow that's the energy that i'm, I'm now showing up with for me, that's such a clear example of 
every day like that that's that's a big example but every day we face those how do we what choice are we making and i know it's not easy it's not you know and and, and that the, the voice that says you're not good enough tends to be the loid, the louder voice for the majority of people and like you say our body does adjust and if we keep hearing the other voice for, for me it's like a muscle you keep using it. if i keep tapping into the one that the voice that says this is your purpose what an opportunity effectively for me is choosing love if I keep using that, that love muscle for me is getting stronger and stronger to the extent that it can become your default. So the, the voice in your head that says you're not good enough is now, it's not, doesn't really need to be there. It's just a, it's like it's still there. It still chats away, but it's like, oh, whatever, there's that nonsense again because we're not dependent on it. We're not used to tuning into it now. Our bodies realize that we don't have to listen to it and it's not necessarily like needed. So we're not paying, making it so important anymore. And now, like, it's for me now, we're getting to like the law of attraction and everything's changing because we're turning up with a different energy and with that different energy, new things happen and everything so much flows from there. So now I feel this is beautiful because we're, you know, hopefully people can kind of feel the healing journey from uh, this point. And do you know what I would say as well is that I think there's, you know, there's the ego and the soul and the ego ultimately there is to try, it's trying to serve us, it's trying to keep us safe. But what I has helped me and helped many clients is to become really aware of what that ego voice sounds like. So I've actually made mine into a bit of a, a person. So mine's called Linda and she's highly annoying and she's really not very relaxing to be around. And she's like, oh, having a holiday, that would be the demise of your business or doing this and it's all going to go wrong. And are you sure that's enough? You know, she's constantly on. She feels like somebody, you know, when you're trying to have a cup of tea with somebody and they're sweeping up under your feet, she never chills out. So I recognize Linda, that's the ego. Like I know what she's like, I know what she's like about to-do lists and about pushing and never switching off and always proving your worth and don't get too relaxed. And I know that voice. So I've got an, a degree of separation because I've almost got a sense of humor about it. And that's the thing is those thoughts, those lower vibrational thoughts about not being enough are coming from your ego. They do not come from your soul. They just don't. How do you know if it's not your truth, it feels bad? Simple as that. It's not your truth because it feels bad. You come into your body when you think about doing a talk, not being enough at going wrong. You feel yourself constrict. It doesn't feel good. So you, you say, well, that's an untruth. My body is telling me a untruth. Then you come over here and you say, well, what does it feel like when I'm connected to my soul? It's about service and it's about um, fulfilling my destiny and it's about impact and it's about love and it's about doing my best and it's about connection. That feels good and that's my truth. And that's what we want people to recognize is like, what is an untruth? What's being fed by whatever persona you have for your ego and what's coming from soul and feels good? And then you... I. I mean, I have got, I'm, I'm really, really, really getting there now, but almost to the extent of if it feels bad, I immediately say it's got to be an untruth. Yeah, it has to be. Like, it can't be. That's just, it has to be ego-led. It's just an untruth. So I'm not, my mum was laughing about this. I said, I'm not energetically available for it. So my mum, we're planning something for my dad's 80th. And my mum said, what if it gets cancelled? I said, well, I'm not energetically available for that because it doesn't feel good. And she was like, oh, I like that. I'm going to use it. But there's something about that, isn't there? It's about, well, that's just not true. So it's there and I can pick it if I want and play with it and, and bring it into me. But actually, it's not true. So I'm going to come over here to this place. Um, I know we're on a podcast. So you can't see me moving my hands as usual. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, let's, let's look at this, but what it is. Is it a truth or an untruth? And you know purely by whether it feels good 
or it feels bad. Mm, I love that, Caroline. Yeah, I, I it, this is why I, I was so so happy we're having this conversation because I think that this whole everything you're saying is so true for my journey, for my healing process, for how I how I show up as a coach. And it's it's when we have that understanding of of what is our ego. We don't have to empower it anymore. We can just, you know, whether you call it Linda or you call it whatever you want to call it. I've always, if I'm totally honest, and this is independent to everyone, I've just kept mine as my ego. Um, and I just keep it, I call it my, it's just my ego. And my ego flares up. And I'd love to ask you in a second about how, why our ego flares up sometimes more than others. And to get into that, because I think that's important too. But for me, ultimately, I give myself a, uh, the the ability to make a choice because I understand what is my ego and what is my heart or my soul, as you as as you say. So that for me is my truth, and so I try and distinguish between what am I feeling something because it's my truth, because it's my purpose, because it's it comes from the love of the self expression of the truth of who I am, or am I feeling something because I've told myself some stupid story from my ego that's trying to keep me safe, and. And if I can distinguish between those two, then I'm giving myself the choice to, to, to make the decision that serves me best, like you said. Now, sometimes I will, I will, I will make a choice to, that, that I know is my ego because we're not all perfect and we make mistakes. And, I, and, and it's sometimes our ego is compelling. It's, it's, and and it, there's an element of satisfaction in just caving in and, and, and giving into it. And nobody is perfect. And we all do make mistakes and we've all got an ego. And that journey never ends. And the ego is going to keep showing up, even though we're aware of it, even though that we, we, we're, we're quietening it bit by bit. It's still there. But it's just at least we have the choice and the awareness. And at least from that place, it's, it's more on us. We're in control of our life a little bit more. We make a bad decision. Well, you know, do you know what? I made that bad decision and I'll live with it. And, and on we go. Next time, I'll remember it's really not a good choice. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like we're not looking for the absence of the negative voice. I'm not looking for Linda to be fully removed because she's, you know, she has value in my life. But actually, it's like saying... I hear you and I recognize you, but we're not choosing this. And Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this. I can't remember what the book's called, I think it's called like Creative Magic or Big Magic or something. But she talks about who you're going to allow in the driving seat of your car. So, yes, okay, ego can go in the passenger or fear or whatever you want to call it, but who's driving? That's a really good question to ask yourself is what's driving this? What's driving this decision? And I know you touched on this about why our ego flares up more times than other. I think it's relative often to how much we're expanding into soul. I sort of got to the point that when my ego really comes out with her nails, I think, oh, I must kind of be onto something here. And oh, it's terrifying and all these things are coming up, but I've got to be onto something here. And I often do an exercise here where I call fear towards me. And it's a bit like, okay, give me your best shot. And, you know, and then you're like, okay, what else have you got? And what else have you got? And then they, you know, start pulling out things and it's like, ah, and it hurts. And you're like, anything else? Oh, another one. And then eventually it runs out of steam. And, and But you've allowed that expression of it. You've allowed fear and ego to come up and have it say, and it dilutes its power. And you let soul step in. What do you want to say? What do you want to say in this moment? It's really clever exercise because it's the same thing as the emotions. It's like, let's not ignore it and try and pretend it's not there. Let's have a conversation with these parts, but let's welcome it. And it loses its steam. So I think when, when we're finding huge ego flares, that's the opportunity to say, what do you want to say? 
and give me your best shot. And it brings its best friend fear in. So fear comes and has a go, you know, and it's, uh, it pulls on old stories and remember that person said things and it really pulls out all its best stuff. But if you can sit there and just say, okay, what else have you got? Eventually it just dissipates the power. And yeah, I, I've definitely got to the stage now. I think if my ego is really, really coming up, then I kind of got to be onto something. I think. Mm, so interesting. Yeah, it definitely shows you all your wounds, doesn't it? For me, I mean, for me, I I, I notice at a really simple level. If I'm if I'm sleep deprived, if I'm really tired, my ego is just that bit louder, and it's easier just to choose the easy path. I don't have the the, the energy to choose because often choosing a heart or soul is the harder path. It doesn't necessarily lead to instant gratification. It's it's you know it's it's doing the talk when it's easier not to do the talk. You know, in that example. So sometimes I, if I'm low energetically it's um uh easier just to go do you know what today i'm just gonna do the easy thing and i know it doesn't serve me but i just don't have the energy to fight it today so i noticed that which is why it's so important i mean there are so many different facets this conversation but we protect our energy you know we look after ourselves we look after our health because can we energize ourselves to make healthy decisions um and then the other part for me that i really notice is that you know, when when my my childhood wounds flare up, when I'm not, when I don't feel seen and heard, that's when my that you know the ego really comes in heavy, and it's like, wow, you need to hear me, <laughs> you need to see me, yeah. and um, I'm particularly kind of sensitive, and and that's that's where, and we all have kind of some kind of stories around that, and and people will be like, whoa, it's okay, I just you know I missed your call, or I just said that you know I call you and I'm I'm sorry, I missed it, I'll ring you tomorrow, and it's like, no, but I needed to be seen in that moment, and you're not respecting me because there's as a child yeah. that was what what my experience was so it's just that fresh wounding it's just opening it up again um so I noticed those kind of things for me too and do you know what I would say there um you know I can never help myself a bit of like coming with a bit of patience but I would say what we often feel that we need from other people it's like well have I have I given myself that so you know if it's like you didn't see me you don't recognize me like we stop and say but am I seeing myself at the moment? Am I recognizing myself? And I remember this when I was in the corporate world, two very small children, like a one and a three-year-old, really struggling. And I remember shouting at Matt saying, everyone takes me for granted. No one listens to me. You know, and then, and now I look back, I'm like, well, that's exactly what I was doing to myself. I wasn't listening to myself. I was completely taking myself for granted. Yeah, and it's fascinating when we do that. In those moments, we say, well, where am I taking myself for granted? Where am I doing this to myself? Where am I not seeing and hearing myself? And I would encourage anyone who's listening for things, we call them triggers, whatever you want to call them, things that are coming up in their life, themes around the way that they feel they're being treated or the things they feel they need that they're not getting off other people. Are you giving it to yourself? And if not, how can you start doing that? It's really beautiful, Carolyn, yeah. And I think the same applies in relationships too. You know, we look for other people to, I want someone else to take me out for dinner or someone else to run me a bath or someone else to do all this stuff to make me feel good. And we're not yeah. doing it to ourselves. We're not, we're not. We're, so can we start with that? Start dating ourselves, giving ourselves that kind of love. 
it's easy saying it for us, you know, do I do that? Well, no, like not, not sometimes if I catch myself, I remember, but there's, you know, but it's, it's easy to say this stuff that, that the important part is implementing it, right? It's implementing, but of course it starts with saying it because that at least gives us the opportunity. But um, yeah, I think it's so as, as a coach and, and talking about this journey, it's so beautiful because it just makes you that a little bit more clear, that a little bit more aware. And then you can, am I, but am I implementing this myself? Am I, because this is, this is, it's a constant, it's a game. It's a constant game. The choices that we're making is a constant game. How are we showing up for ourselves? Constant game. You know, I could choose my ego every day and leave myself feeling empty and uninspired. Um, but I, I don't, that's not the way that I want to live. I don't want to. I want to choose. I love a quote that says, don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now. And that's, you know, the, yeah. the, that's choosing myself and choosing myself and keep, keep playing that game keep showing up in that way and remembering that your soul has a i always think you know a wide lens whereas our egos are quite limited in their perception they can only see like five percent our soul knows so often you'll have these moments flashes of inspiration that come through but it doesn't feel very convenient or logical but it leads to the most miraculous things if you listen to it and follow it well listen to it and then you have to do the obvious free will of following it but that's yeah yeah important and not not always easy but that's where it's being brave and courageous right and, and choosing making again choosing ourselves choosing our deepest values i feel like we have gone on a bit of a journey there caroline i think it's <laughs> so, so i think fun. it's beautiful it's all day honestly it's it's so yeah it's been fabulous so i want to ask one one last question actually because i think this is a really important one because and of course like there in in, a, in amongst all of that conversation that flow that we've just been through there are different there's a lot of work to do on, on all of those parts we've we've kind of touched on the scratch the service around all of it but there's deep work involved in each in each part of the process but i guess um the question that i feel is so important now is to say well why heal why heal? Because it's easier for many, it's easier just to go, do you know what, I'm going to keep burying it. And I'm going to um, find my fixes in, in the parties in the holidays, in the affairs in the gambling, and all the other stuff. So why why heal? What's the what's the benefit of going through the hard work through the tears through the challenges to reach the ultimate state of acceptance and joy and liberation, because it's long lasting because it's a service to humanity for those people who go and have children it's service to them it's breaking old patterns it's changing your vibration so that you can change the vibration of the world i mean it is that big it sounds over the top but it's not it is that true you know we're energetic beings we're part of the same thing as the same substance of the stars and the sky and everything and when we commit to raising our vibration to higher frequencies, um, when we connect back to the light that has a ripple effect that permeates everything, it's one of the greatest acts that you can do for humanity. So I hope that's a compelling reason to do it. And because you're worth it. You're worth feeling joyful and connected and contented like you are worthy and deserving of doing that that is your birthright so it's time to kind of go out and claim that yeah so beautiful caroline and one word that i'd love to add to that as well is freedom for me it's given me so much more freedom inside of myself freedom to show up as me um it's lighter and it's so much comes from that space 
so beautiful, Caroline. I'm so glad that we got this chance to to, to connect. I think I feel like there's lots more to discuss, and maybe there'll be other areas that perhaps we reconnect on another time, more specifically. But I feel like we've gone on a really beautiful journey there, and this is mental health for me. This is how we heal. This is how we can help ourselves become everything you just said and get more, all of that stuff into our lives. And it's possible for all of us, as you said at the beginning, it sits within us, these answers. We need help and guidance perhaps, but we can all reconnect to our heart, our soul, as you, as, as you say, and we can find that more freedom. Um, and it's needed right now. Life is not easy for many and um, it's needed. So I'm so grateful to sit in the space. Thank you so much for sharing all of the, all of your wisdom. I love, I love your message. I love the simplicity and the way you piece it all together and the clarity you bring. So I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you'd love to add it? And, and have we missed anything, any vital parts or is there anything you'd like to share in summary? No, I don't think so. I just hope that, you know, we can inspire others to our embodiment of James' work and for people to realise that it doesn't have to be complex, that actually you've got some amazing inner tools within you if you allow yourself to sit with it. Just trust your ability to heal trust that because that's really going to help you commit to this process caroline thank you so much thank you for sharing everything you have done i've loved sitting in the space with you i'm really grateful for you i love reconnecting thank you and um i don't know what else just thank you <laughs> i'm so grateful for you thank you for having me so there we go there we have it um i'm so grateful to caroline i love 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 her message i love sitting in that space i hope it had an impact on you i hope it took you on a journey of understanding how to heal yourself and why to heal yourself. I just, these conversations matter so much for me at the moment around Mental Health Month and I'm just really thrilled and really proud to, to sit in the space and bring this conversation alive. So thank you for listening. Thank you so much. If this conversation resonated with you, if you feel it can make an impact on anyone you know, please feel free to share. And if you've shared on socials, please tag me. I really would love to thank you. It matters to me. It really touches me when I when I see people supporting. So please let me know. And just thank you. And if you can like, subscribe or review or rate or whatever it is the language that's on your podcast, please do so. Your support is much appreciated. Um, we'd love to hear from you with any reviews that you could give us, any support, any tips that you feel that you'd love to hear from us or any parts of the conversation you'd love to, us to dive into more. Whatever it is, please share it with us and we'll continue with these conversations and I hope to bring you more impactful conversations in the next few weeks so thank you for listening really grateful for you and um hope to see you next week small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 